right, welcome in. Farzine Vasugin back at it here on another episode of Farzcast. Thank you guys so much for downloading and listening to this episode. Hope you guys are doing well. Had a good, what, week and a half since we last did a podcast. Uh, back from Vegas was a lot of fun. Uh, had a damn good time. The weekend puts on a damn good show. Oh, and by the way, I offended a few Chiefs fans by saying this, but Allegiant Stadium is pretty damn nice uh listen I'll, I'll say it now if the chiefs are going to build a new stadium downtown i hope they learn from uh from Allegiant stadium i'm sure they can learn something from sofi as well because i think they've got an opportunity to uh hit a home run if they do it right uh it's i, I mentioned this on uh, on the facebook page but um there's some potential for kansas city and obviously this will lead to Bigger concerts coming to Kansas City, especially if there's a dome, uh, Final Fours, Super Bowls, uh, WrestleManias, uh, so many, uh, so many possibilities. So it's certainly something that should be explored because if you want the big name musicians and all these big sporting events at your venue, you gotta maybe copy from some of these uh, newer stadiums and uh, do it better. It's a copycat world we're in. So, whatever someone else is doing, observe, check it out, do a better job of it. That's how the that's how the world works. That's how the world of business is. It, it's like that in the NFL too. It's a copycat league. You see uh, teams doing jet sweeps. Uh, someone else will do it. A wildcat. Remember the wildcat formation in what 07 or 08 when everyone saw. Well, I think it was the Dolphins. Or the Jets that were doing it, and everyone else wanted to copy them. I think it was the Dolphins. Uh, so many, so many way good examples in the NFL about copycat league, or essentially copycat world, especially in the business world. So, yeah, hopefully the uh, Chiefs can do that because it would be good for business. That is, uh, that's for damn sure. Uh, but other than that, Vegas was awesome. Uh, I didn't get to go last month; had something come up last second. So, uh, was glad I got to go this month. Uh, uh, went for uh, a convention, uh, but had a lot of downtime as well. Got to explore the city, have a damn good time. So that's Vegas for you. Uh, that is Vegas. All right. As far as this podcast goes, we've got a lot to get into here. Uh, going to talk about the NFL Top 100 list. Some uh, some interesting omissions from my perspective. And Josh Allen got a very interesting placement on this list. Tyreek Hill cannot stop talking about the Chiefs. I think there needs to be a discussion about this because he's trying to paint this massive villain picture on Kansas City, and I'm just not good with that. So I've got something to say about that. Aaron Rodgers was on the Joe Rogan Experience podcast, which is interesting because other than UFC fighters, Joe Rogan never has or hardly ever has athletes on his podcast. This was actually a very, I'm not even all the way through. I'm actually halfway through. It's a three-hour podcast. I'll talk about that a little later on because Rogers had some interesting comments on that podcast. Tom Brady, he broke his silence after being away from the Bucks for a couple of weeks. Definitely want to respond to the news in Buffalo with Matt Arazia that came out over the weekend. And also, a sports memorabilia item hit a record high. Going to talk about all of that and much more later on in the podcast. Real quickly, uh, before I move forward, uh, we obviously have done a couple of giveaways so far. We gave away a Chiefs draft hat. We gave away not one, but two 
Kelsey's Crunch cereal boxes, and we're actually giving away two more this week. The deadline for that is Wednesday night, and then we're going to do another last round of giveaways for the Kelsey's Crunch cereal boxes. That'll uh, the current giveaways we've got right now on uh, Instagram and on Twitter. That will end on Wednesday night at 8 p.m., but we will start another set Thursday. Thursday, sometime in the, in the evening. Well, we tried to do these early Friday morning, uh, but it seems like Thursday, uh, the, the, the nighttime, I should say, uh, is when uh, we get the most uh, responses. A lot of people see these the most, and they kind of get lost if you put them up early in the morning. So uh, as soon as we announce the uh, winners uh, Wednesday night, 24 hours later, we're going to get right back at it. So if you missed out on an opportunity, uh, hey, uh, don't be upset. We've got more. Got a lot of giveaways. Uh, you know, we, we've got a lot to give away this year. Okay. Uh, and as I promised, we're uh, getting closer and closer. I think the last time I did a podcast, we hit 37,000 followers. And as I promised, when we hit 40,000 followers, I will give away a Patrick Mahomes jersey. You guys pick the size. You guys pick the size. So uh, make sure you are following me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Facebook is where I provide all the updates on the giveaways and because of strict rules on Facebook we're going to do the giveaways on Instagram and on Twitter so uh, I, I've gone into detail about this a couple of people asked me on the Facebook page even though I've answered this many times oh why are you doing it on a different site I, I, I did a video on this on my Facebook page and I also did uh, talked about this in great length on this podcast about it so um, just kind of the way the platforms are uh, not my rules uh, but Neither here nor there. The last thing I will uh, just address quickly, because I've heard a lot of people say, oh, well, I see other people doing it on Facebook. Folks, I'm very well aware. Uh, that's almost like saying, oh, well, I, I saw someone on the highway on the 35 on the way to downtown driving 95. Well, yeah, not everyone gets caught speeding. Uh, not everyone gets caught on social media. There are a lot of strict rules on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, but not everyone gets caught uh, in fact, the giveaways I've done years ago, I had the exact same format, but for whatever reason, they didn't catch me the first time uh, I did it. So uh, I did get a notification uh, when I did upload the uh, giveaway, and uh, they weren't good with that. So we had to uh, reroute, but hey, we're doing it one way or another. Uh, so just wanted to address that real quickly. Uh, speaking of the Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter pages, Facebook is facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. Instagram is at Farzine Vesugian. Twitter is at Farzine21. So make sure you guys are following me on all of those, uh, especially for uh, purposes of the giveaways that we are doing uh, throughout the season. So make sure you guys check that out. All right. The NFL preseason is over. Thank God. Uh, the first preseason game is nice because you miss football. You want to see your favorite players back at it. Wearing the uh, the pads, the uh, jersey, the helmet, all that good stuff. But then after the first quarter, let's be honest, everyone dozes out. Um, the only people that might be tuned in and watching with a heavy interest are probably the family members and the friends of all these players. And maybe if you got a favorite college football player that did well for, for your favorite school and is playing in the NFL in the second half of these preseason games, it's probably when you're tuning in the most, but... Uh, you know, I, I, I don't fret over so much of the preseason, uh, good or bad. Uh, obviously if the starters are doing that, remember several years ago when Todd Haley was the head coach, I think it was his first year as the head coach where the backups were playing in the four, they used to have four preseason games. It's three. Now it's going to eventually drop to two. 
when they tried to make an 18-game regular season, but I remember the Chiefs had the starters for the fourth preseason game in the fourth quarter. The fourth preseason game, for those who don't remember, the starters would either not play or they would play for like three snaps, maybe four at the most, and then they'd yank them. So I remember the Chiefs left their starters on the field in the fourth quarter against the Packers, like fourth string players, and the Chiefs were losing that game. Like that that's the exception where you would probably not be thrilled with what you're seeing in a preseason game. Other than that, I mean, obviously you don't want to see your favorite players do terrible at a preseason game. Uh, just just kind of weird uh, how that all pans out. Uh, you know, it's a preseason. Listen, I remember the Chiefs were playing the Vikings several years ago. And the Chiefs were up 10-0 on the Viking starters. But then uh, Chiefs fans were all thrilled about it. But th- many of them were unaware. Th- remember that uh, strong defensive line the uh, the Vikings had with the Williams duo? Uh, one of them was not playing, nor was Jared Allen. It's like, if those two were playing, it would have been a much different football game. And I think that was the same game where Brett Favre had just signed with the Vikings. And he only had like a couple days of practice. So, And I think Corey Mays... If you guys remember that name, the linebacker out of Notre Dame, uh, he uh, pressured him and hit uh, Favre as he was trying to throw the ball away. So, uh, But yeah, neither here nor there. The preseason's over. I try not to get too carried away. Uh, obviously, in the moment, you get excited because it's been a while since everyone's seen their uh, favorite teams. Uh, but now we're on to the regular season. Uh, the Chiefs play in exactly 14 days. On September the 11th, uh, their season is going to start in Arizona, and I think it will end in Arizona with a Super Bowl win. So, certainly looking forward to that. I did want to touch on the NFL's top 100 list that came out. Uh, So, uh, as of right now, kind of gives you an idea when I'm recording this podcast. Um, I don't think the... uh, the list is over. It might be. I mean, they might have just a couple players left. I'm just going to look it up real quickly. Yeah, number four is Cooper Cup. Number five is Jonathan Taylor of the Colts. TJ Watt, number six. Devontae Adams is number seven. Patrick Mahomes is number eight. Number nine is Jalen Ramsey. Number 10 is Travis Kelsey. Number 11, Miles Garrett. Number 12, Derrick Henry. Number 13 is is Josh Allen. Josh Allen was ranked 13, as in 13 seconds. What a coincidence there. Um, no, in all seriousness, look, I, okay, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm a Chiefs fan and all, and I think there's a pretty big difference between Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, but Josh Allen, number 13. By the way, let me just say something about this top 100 list, because i got to criticize the NFL players, because they're the ones who vote on this. Now, I'm going to say something about the media in a moment. Uh, and I've been accused of spewing bullshit when I say this, but I'll, I'll address that in a moment. But the players are the ones voting on this, and I they, they do vote before the playoffs start. So this is all based on the regular season. Because if this is all based on the... Uh, if they voted after the playoffs, well, then all the Rams players would be very high on the list. Um, 
I, I hear this a lot when the NFL does their um, award shows. So, for instance, Mike Vrabel won Coach of the Year, and a lot of people were shocked by that. They're like, how the hell does he win Coach of the Year when the Titans were one and done in the playoffs as a number one seed? Folks, they vote on these awards during the regular season. Of course it's easy to vote on these things uh, if you wait for the playoffs to end because then you can just vote for whoever won Super Bowl MVP for the MVP award. Whichever team's coach won the Super Bowl, that coach gets coach of the year. Um, They want to give everyone a fair shot, including those that may have missed the playoffs because there are some good players as well from those teams as well. Generally speaking, the players that win MVP, Offensive, Defensive Player of the Year, Coach of the Year, Rookie of the Year, a majority of those are usually going to be players that are on playoff teams. But in the event, uh, there are other players from non-playoff teams that deserve those awards and get votes. Well, that's why they vote right after the regular season ends and before the playoffs get underway. Um, But Josh Allen coming at number 13, I don't know, man. Uh, That, to me, is a bit... Uh, not accurate. Here's the thing. Players don't like when fans have opinions, okay? They basically want fans to just, just essentially be cheerleaders. Just cheer and clap and hoot and holler, all that good stuff when the team is doing well. And still do the same thing when the team's doing bad. Players don't want fans to have opinions, which I think is complete bullshit. Uh... That's not what a fan does. Fans are not cheerleaders. Fans are fans. A lot of them pay a lot of money for tickets, merch, all that good stuff. Uh, they have the right to speak up. I think whenever they can, as long as they're not making it personal. Uh, listen, I hate this rule, by the way, that you have to have been a player to be able to talk about football. I have not not played a snap of football, high school, college football. That doesn't mean you don't know football. Now, maybe specific X's and O's, okay, those, there are a few things I may not know. Uh, a lot of people out there may not know an A gap or a B gap, what a five technique defense is, a three technique, all that stuff. Um, some fans do, some fans don't. You don't even need to know those specifics to be able to talk football. But for these players that don't like for fans to have opinions, I'm telling you right now, these players are shitting on the sport with the way they're voting. Josh Allen, number 13? No. That guy, easily top 10. I would even say top 5. But somehow, Josh Allen is number 13 on this list. Mac Jones, who, you know, I like. I I, th- I don't think he gets the respect he deserves. I don't think he's an elite quarterback, per se, but I think he did a good job his rookie year. The Patriots got off to a shitty start, and they still made the playoffs. Uh, he did a lot to help the play uh, the Patriots get to that point. Sure, it was a terrible ending, but you know, with a rookie quarterback, I don't. I mean, you can't be that harsh on the guy. But Mac Jones made the list. Yet for some reason, Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith, arguably the best center and the best right guard in the NFL, did not make the NFL's top 100 list. However, Humphrey and Smith. They made the top 100 lists on CBS's rankings, Pro Football Focus, and so many other media outlets that did top 100 lists. Players hate it when fans and media outlets do these kinds of lists because they feel like they don't know the sport because they never played it. Okay, um, well, we have these athletes that are currently playing the sport and they're voting on 
the top 100 list, and it's just a terrible list. And here's evidence of this. J.J. Watt, there was one year, J.J. Watt even acknowledged how stupid this was, okay? So when when he is saying this, this is when you know. J.J. Watt, I don't remember what his ranking was, but he only played like two or three games one year, and he made the NFL's top 100 list. How the fuck does a guy who only played a couple of games be, be labeled as the top 100, unless he had like 15 sacks in those three games he played? There's no way in hell. He, uh, 15 each of those games, I mean, uh, or even one of those games, I, I think would still warrant that. But I, obviously what I'm saying is it's not realistic. The point is there's no realistic possibility where a guy can play a couple of games and make the top 100 list. It's a popularity list. I remember there was one year Kobe Bryant only played four or five games the entire year due to an injury. The guy got voted in as an all-star starter. Like clearly... These kinds of lists, there is a popularity contest going on. Now, I will say this. Because media outlets do this, okay? And I'll get into the evidence. Listen, I, I've, I've seen it before personally, okay? I said this before when Patrick Mahomes was not number one in 2019, I think it was. He was number four instead of number one. I mean, imagine crying over that. But the NFL and any media outlet out there will intentionally reorder these rankings and say, well, they did vote Patrick Mahomes the best player, but let's put him on four just so this list gets a lot of coverage and a lot of talk on sports talk radio stations across the country and nationally. That's what they do. There are media outlets who do that. Look at all these media outlets that do power ranking. Do you know how fucking stupid power rankings are? I, I, I see all these fans that complain about power rankings. They they know how bad they are and how stupid they are, but they still read them. And they say, well, how is this team above this team if, they, if the other team has a better record? Folks, if you really want power rankings, just go to NFL.com slash standings and sort the, uh, sort the standings by win percentage among all 32 teams in the league instead of division by division. Like, I mean, if you... Listen, power rankings, I think, are dumb. They're essentially, you know, how are teams doing... Uh, last week compared to this week, and then the following week. I think they're stupid. They really, really are. Uh, that's why I never read them, but a lot of fans do, and they get worked up over it pretty easily. Um, these lists that come out, the NFL can reorder them as much as they want. The players don't know how the other players voted, so they don't have to prove anything. They can easily just say, yeah. Josh Allen, he's number five on this list. Let's just put him, you know, eight spots down to 13. No one's going to know. Um, I, I truly, listen, if these players, which, you know, I'd like to think they know better uh, about the sport better than, uh, than us. Um, I think it's a mix. I truly do think the NFL will reorder these intentionally to drive conversation among local and national sports taxations out there. But then there are also times where you don't rank Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith in the top 100. You don't; They don't get enough votes for the top 100 list. Um, listen, I respect players, what they do. I know this is what they do for a living. Some of them, like right now, a lot of guys on the roster bubble, they're about to get cut. Their dreams are going to be crushed. And uh, they're either going to go play in the AFL, the, the Arena Leagues, uh, Canada, XFL, USFL, whatever is out there uh, these days. Um 
or maybe some of them are not going to play football ever again and they're just going to hang it up because they just want this to be uh, the final chapter of their football life. Uh, so I, I understand, you know, these players are, are, are making a, a, an earning out of this, but if you're going to be told to vote on these kinds of lists, at least take it seriously because the fans who have a blog, they actually do some research on this. Do they get it right a hundred percent of the time? No, they'll miss uh, here and there. I just put out my 53 man, uh, roster, uh, prediction for the chiefs. And not everyone agreed with it. People thought there were some uh, things they disagreed with here and there. But, you know, for the most part, you're not going to find uh, a 53-man roster that's going to be the same as someone else's. You're not going to... If you're going to ask every NFL fan to rank the top 100 players, you're going to get 100 different lists. Um, none of them are going to be the same as, as anyone else's. But for players to not vote in the best center and the best right guard in the NFL when all these other media outlets have... It's kind of bullshit to me. So, if you're a player, cut the bullshit about, oh, fans don't know any better. The media doesn't know any better. Well, neither do the ones who are playing the sport at the moment, formerly or currently. So, if I can send a message to any players out there, cut the BS because you're not better than we are when it comes to just the general knowledge of the sport. Tyreek Hill has had a lot to say about the Chiefs this offseason. He even started his own podcast, and he's it's essentially a Chiefs podcast because he spends a lot of time on the Chiefs. He even had Byron Pringle on the podcast and tried to get him to talk shit on the Chiefs. Tyreek Hill did an interview with OutKick, and here's a quote he gave to them. A lot of guys, when they get paid... They stopped wanting to get better, and I feel like when the Kansas City Chiefs traded me, I kind of took that personally. So now, what really motivates me is I feel like they basically just threw me to the side like I was trash or something. End quote. Oh boy. I'm going to keep this short, because I, I wrote a long post about this on Facebook. Uh, first and foremost, to the idiots who are like, oh, let's stop talking about this. Okay, tell Tyreek Hill to stop talking about the Chiefs. Because if this guy's going to drag the Chiefs through the mud the way he has this entire offseason, I, I, I think fa this fan base has the right to respond. Andy Reid's not going to do it. He was He's even been asked multiple times about this, and he just... Uh, generally speaking, coaches do not talk about former players. Maybe in the rare event where Kareem Hunt comes back to Arrowhead, Andy Reid was asked a couple questions about his uh, his journey. Uh, Tom Brady returning to Foxborough, yeah, it's natural for Belichick to get a couple questions about his former quarterback coming back because of what he did bringing six strings there. Other than that, coaches do not want to answer questions about former players. Uh, unless there is a very significant reason for that. Especially in this event, I know in a sport like the UFC, topics like these, I mean, they're hot-button topics. But Andy Reid, nor any of the other 31 other coaches, are going to address this kind of issue if it pertains to them. I know Tyreek Hill brought up how he was not allowed to go see his grandfather, I guess, uh, for some procedure he had to uh, go through. I mean, he said a lot this offseason about the Chiefs. Uh, comparing quarter his current quarterback to his former quarterback, all kinds of crazy things. Uh, now he's making this comment about feeling like trash. Listen, 
I don't know what happened behind closed doors. Something went down with the Chiefs uh, and Tyreek Hill specifically. And a lot of people make a big deal of the fact that on the day that Patrick Mahomes had his wedding in which Travis Kelsey was one of the groomsmen. And listen, this is not just me. I've even heard Tim Grunhard bring this up on local radio. Um, A lot of people are talking about the fact that Tyreek Hill tweeted his goodbye tweet to Kansas City on the day of Mahomes' wedding. Could that be a coincidence? I don't know. Possibly. But... Tyreek Hill, I mean, there was already uh, talk out there um, after the trade that he was not happy with the team after the Week 2 loss to the Ravens. That was the one where Clyde Edwards-Alaire fumbled on the uh, final drive of the game because he only had a couple of targets in the game after he had a monster game the week before against the Browns when the Chiefs came back to win that game. So Tyreek Hill was already not happy with certain things uh, because he wasn't getting targeted uh, a high amount every single game. But here's the bottom line. If Tyreek Hill is going to paint this picture that Kansas City is the villain and that they're the terrible people and that they're the assholes and they screwed him over, it's got to stop. It really needs to stop. Uh, Listen, there are former Chiefs players uh, like Jared Allen, Casey Wegman, Jeremy Macklin, who have been treated worse. Jeremy Macklin and Casey Wegman both were cut uh, by a voicemail. That's how they found out they were let go by the Chiefs, through voicemail. Jared Allen did not get the best treatment from Carl Peterson. And by the way, to to be clear, Macklin and Wegman both got cut by different general managers. Wegman by, uh, by Carl Peterson and Macklin by John Dorsey. That was one of John Dorsey's last moves as a GM. Um, so, uh, I'm sure a lot of you guys remember that. That's when Brett Veach shortly took over, but... Uh, there are other former Chiefs who have dealt with worse, and they don't even drag this franchise through the mud the way Tyree Kill has tried to do. There are a lot of former Chiefs that when their career is over, some of them actually leave and go to another team, but they still keep their home in in the Kansas City area. Uh, Some of them, they end up actually moving completely, but then they come back to Kansas City. Some of them that don't stay in Kansas City uh, they go back to their hometown where they met their wife or, or where their kids grew up or where they have a lot of family, but they still try to stay connected uh, with the franchise and with the community. Uh, for example, for instance, Joe Valerio, a good friend of mine, you guys have heard him on the podcast many times. Uh, he he went back to his um, his home state in in, uh, in in the Philly area in Pennsylvania. But he still still stays connected with the uh, franchise and with the community. He, he, he does a podcast on the Chiefs. So there are a lot of situations, a lot of former players out there that stay in Kansas City. And if they don't, they stay connected with the franchise in, in some shape or form. Tyreek Hill now wants to play this role where he's the victim and Kansas City is the, uh, is the villain. This is the same guy that came back to Kansas City uh, to do football camps. And when he did some media, he was asked about the podcast teaser, if you guys remember that. And he kept saying that he's comfortable with the direction of the podcast because everyone's panties are in a wad. His words, not mine. The same guy, a week later, goes on his, uh, his podcast and says, man, I got death threats because of these uh, of, of, the, of the teaser and the podcast. You can't have it both ways. You can't sit here and mock fans and laugh at them and say you're comfortable with the with the reactions with the pot that the podcast is getting, and then say, "Oh man, I was getting death threats from." Uh, come on, I'm not saying he needs to take screenshots and show these, but 
you don't you don't get to have it both ways. And listen, let me say one last thing. If I'm a Miami Dolphins fan, I would actually be a little concerned. Listen, I, Tyreek Hill had a good game with Tua just recently. I was impressed. Tua connected with Tyreek on a deep shot. But if I'm a Dolphins fan, I would question this. Why the hell is my wide receiver, if I'm a Dolphins fan, that just got paid bank, why is he still talking about his former team? If Junior Smith-Schuster was still talking about the Steelers, if Marquez Valdez-Scantling was still talking about the Packers, I'd, I'd, I'd question all of that. I'd say, are these guys two feet in here in Kansas City? Because if not, I want them gone. I don't want them here. Instead, you have MVS tweeting a fan that tweeted him that he got his jersey. He, MVS said, send it to the facility with a return address and I'll sign it for you. That's what he's doing. Tyreek Hill is not letting this whole Chiefs thing go. And I think Chiefs fans have a right to respond to this. I know there are some Chiefs fans that want to move on from this. I do too. But Tyreek Hill is not letting it go. Let it go. It just didn't work out. I wish Tyreek Hill was still in Kansas City. Everyone was excited when Juju Smith-Schuster signed because everyone thought that we were going to have this big monster offense with um, uh, with Tyreek, with Kelsey, with Juju, and McCole Hardman. But it didn't happen that way. So, tough shit, man. Uh, if you guys were on a first date with someone, and all that person did was talk about their ex-boyfriend or their ex-girlfriend or ex-wife or husband, your first thought would be, okay, I'm done. I don't even want a second date with this person because all they're doing is talking about their ex. That's what Tyreek Hill is doing here. Hey, man, uh, whatever uh, mindset he wants to have, if it's going to hurt the, the, the Dolphins... Uh, have at it. Listen, I hope for his sake that he and Tua do shine because Tua's had some bad throws in camp and in the past too. Now, is Tyreek going to change all of that? I don't know. But if that, if, if they don't ball out together, sports fans are not very forgiving on social media, especially Chiefs fans. So I hope for his sake it all goes well. We had a joint practice that ended in a brawl. The Rams and the Bengals, they had a joint practice. Uh, joint practice. The two teams that played in the Super Bowl, by the way, the Rams obviously won. And a fight broke out. It's not really clear exactly what happens, but there is clear uh, visuals of Aaron Donald, the highest paid non-quarterback in the NFL, using a helmet as a weapon. It's not the first time in recent memory a player has used a helmet as a weapon. If you guys remember Miles Garrett and that whole shitstorm that took place with the Steelers, that was pretty crazy. Uh, I can't remember the quarterback's name. Uh, Rudolph, I think, is who it was. I don't remember. But anyway, um, a lot of people are talking about how maybe emotions got in the way from the Bengals side because that's the team that lost to them in the Super Bowl. So, Or maybe a comment was made about the Super Bowl. Who knows? Here's my question. Aren't a lot of current and former NFL players criticizing the NFL because of their lack of action to do something about head injuries? I mean, the NFL did something this year with the uh, with the hero helmets or the hero guards. I can't remember the exact name. But the NFL has been criticized this heavily in the past by active and former players. Meanwhile... You ha- and I know this doesn't represent the entire league, but still, 
you got two premier players, Miles Garrett and Aaron Donald, that are using helmets as a weapon and targeting other players' heads in a brawl. This seems to be a theme on the podcast, folks. You can't have it both ways. You can't sit here and cry about head injuries, and you can't go out there and, in a brawl, use a helmet as a weapon. Now, again, I, I fully understand there are two players who've done this, which is an unfair representation when you consider 53 players times 32 teams. You do the math, and out of all those numbers, only two players have done this. However... The NFL Players Association, which has played a big part in fighting for the players, obviously, they're also backing the players when it comes to trying to combat head injuries and trying to get the NFL to do something about it. Is the NFL PA saying anything to these players about using these helmets as a weapon? Because if not, throw every complaint about head injuries out the door. It's just unacceptable. You, 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 listen, I'm not breaking any news here. You cannot use your helmet as a weapon in a brawl, okay? I, I, I think it's stupid when players get in the fights anyway. You're in pads. I mean, if you're going to swing at someone, you're going to hit the, the shoulder pads or, or, or the helmet, and I don't know if I really want to throw a punch at a, a helmet or a shoulder pad. Um, that seems stupid. Uh, I remember Kyle Turley. Uh, he was with the Chiefs uh, in 2007 for hard knocks. And he got into it with a Chiefs player. And he said, look, if, if a player wants to fight me, go right ahead. Hit, hit the helmet, hit, punch the pads. Uh, that's only going to do damage to you, if you guys recall that. So, I don't know uh, what led to this, but come on. Let's, uh, let's be consistent here when it comes to the head injury complaints because you don't do yourself any favors from a player standpoint and from the NFLPA standpoint when you see players using helmets as a weapon and not doing anything about it. I mean, it just seems like it's it's obvious. You got to prevent that from happening in the future. You got to talk to the players and tell them not to do that shit. Um, Aaron Rodgers was on the Joe Rogan Experience podcast. I was actually very excited about this. Listen, I know a lot of people have opinions about Joe Rogan. I don't care about that. Uh, I, I think anyone that just believes every single word that comes out of Joe Rogan's mouth, I think is silly in general. I think Joe Rogan is a, is a very intelligent guy in general. I don't agree with him on everything. Um, I do think it's silly that when Rogan made the comment about the vaccine, it, it's his opinion. He's allowed to have it. He said that a, a young, he would tell a young guy not to get it. But then everyone lost their minds over this. I'm like, who cares? It's his opinion. Um... I think it's silly. Like if someone, like if if a famous person is telling you to check out a certain restaurant, or is telling you to go uh, check out a certain movie. Okay, I get that. That's that's you want to you 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 like that. If your favorite player tells you about a, a video game or a book or a movie or or a restaurant, you would you'd be inclined to try it. But this whole vaccine thing, for whatever reason, uh, people just go with whatever's endorsed. This is all. This is why politicians ask celebrities and athletes for endorsements because they know that their fans will follow suit. That's Otherwise, why else do why else do celebrities go campaign with politicians? Anyway, we're getting off topic, but um, I know a lot of people have their opinions on Joe Rogan. I, t- I like Joe Rogan. He had Mark Zuckerberg on his podcast. I've only caught 30 minutes of that. I do want to listen to the rest of that. 
Um, and I've only caught half of this Aaron Rodgers podcast. There are very few podcasts that I have listened of Joe Rogan's that I've listened to from start to finish. Uh, I definitely will make a point to listen to uh, the Rogers podcast in its entirety, as well as the Zuckerberg podcast. Um, I listened to the Mr. Beast podcast from start to finish. For those who don't know, Mr. Beast is this insane YouTuber who makes millions and millions of dollars. He's even had celebrities on his videos, such as Gordon Ramsay. Um, he's had uh, other YouTube uh, famous YouTube celebrities on his podcast. I mean, the guy's had a ton of people on his podcast. He's even he even used uh, SoFi Stadium for one of his videos, and the guy constantly is giving out money cars to uh, to people. It, it's insane. But he he was on Rogan's podcast, and it was a spectacular one. Rogers did a podcast with Rogan, and I'm halfway through it. You don't ever think this because Rogers, when you hear him talk football. In uh, press conferences, he doesn't sound like a well-spoken guy. But when he does his Pat, his segment with Pat McAfee, he's a very different guy. And generally with those one-on-one radio interviews, players and coaches tend to be more personable in those because they kind of get to know the host when they do more and more of those weekly interviews. And then in, a, in an environment like Rogan's podcast where you're sitting down, you're chilling. They're both smoking a cigar during the podcast, which is, I think is cool. I'm not, I'm not a smoker or anything, but I think it's cool that they're laid back and just enjoying uh, one another's company while having conversations about whatever. Um, Rogers is a well-spoken guy. He's obviously, everyone knows what happened to him last year with the whole uh, immunized and not being vaccinated. He dives deep into that, and he clarified a lot of things that I think a lot of people were upset about with him. And I think he, he really did a good job of giving his side of the story on all of that. Um, he did point out a very inconsistent rule, and I know this vaccine has been political, but he mentioned that the NFL uh, was testing non-vaccinated players every day and non-vac or excuse me, vaccinated players every other week. Then, when the pandemic got a little crazy uh, in November and December, players were having to test uh, weekly, the vaccinated ones. But in the playoffs, vaccinated or unvaccinated, uh, you only tested if you were showing symptoms. And Rogan just laughed uh, because it's the playoffs. Um, well, listen, I get the playoffs. There's more at stake obviously a lot more money involved uh with those games in january and february but there's still a lot of money being thrown in being spent being invested with advertisers uh, fantasy football sports betting all that stuff in the regular season two um let's not let's not forget that but I thought that was interesting. Rogers did share a very funny story, by the way, where I uploaded it to YouTube, by the way. Uh, um, and he was told by a professor in college, a food appreciation uh, professor. Imagine that class. Uh, um, Rogers was not getting 15 uh, students failed uh, the assignment because they didn't cite the paper, the uh they didn't do their citations uh, properly. Fourteen of them got to redo it, except for Rogers. Uh, Rogers was not allowed to redo it, so he went into the professor's office hours and wanted to talk about it. And she just lashed out at him and said, "Oh, you're an entitled athlete. What are you going to do with your life?" And Aaron Rodgers says he wants to play in the NFL. And she just lashed out at him, and said that no way in hell you're not going to make it. You'll get hurt. You need your degree because you'll never make it in the NFL. And from what I've seen from you, uh, you won't amount to anything. And Rodgers apparently re- responded and said, "Watch me." Um, 
funny how that worked out. Uh, which, by the way, I hate when uh, I hear stories like that. People just want to, especially someone from education, just trying to shit on a student like that. Like, I mean, okay, I get college students are not kids, but they're still young and have their whole lives ahead, lives ahead of them. And for people to, ju- an educator to just shit on a student athlete. And, and by the way, uh, he told the uh, liaison and the coaching staff and they confronted her and said, not cool. And so she had a vendetta against Rogers about that and actually tried to expel him. It's like, this person is in education. And unfortunately, listen, I have so much respect for teachers with what they do and the little pay they get. But there are some some shitheads out there uh, in education, uh, which is which is just scary. Uh, I don't have kids, but if I do that, I mean, that'd be one of my first thoughts is hopefully my kid doesn't have one of those educators. Uh, but yeah, uh, it, it's a fascinating podcast. Uh, I, I was happy to see a, a, an athlete other than a UFC fighter on Rogan's podcast because we don't get many of them. You know, I really wish athletes like Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, um, I mean, several others out there actually went on Rogan's podcast because you really do see a different side to them. I remember listening to Brady. I know uh, Brady during his time in uh, in New England, and he's kind of carried this uh, with him in, in, in Tampa Bay. Obviously, the, uh, the Belichick ways, you say very little. You don't say much at all. But when Brady was on the Manning cast with Peyton and Eli, which is obviously a fantastic uh, broadcast that ESPN does, dude, Tom Brady sounded like the coolest fucking guy in the world. Like, kind of like the kind of guy that you would want to be friends with and have a beer with and just talk about whatever. Um, I really wish athletes did more of these things. See, I, I hate the notion that you know people tell athletes to stick to sports. I, I, I will never agree with that. and I don't care if I agree or disagree with these athletes. Um, I'll call out the hypocrisy when when Brett Favre, you know, he did something like this where he said athletes should stick to sports, but then was giving his opinions on so many things, uh, politics. Um, but I digress. My point is, athletes are a lot, they're way smarter than maybe we realize. Like listening to Aaron Rodgers and some of the things he talked about, especially with politics, uh, the IRS, uh, the, the Homeowners Association, I mean, things that... You don't ever hear athletes talk about, and he actually has some valid opinions, some valid stances on some of those subjects. Again, I'm only halfway through, so I didn't get to hear the entire thing. I'm sure they talked about a lot of things, but athletes know more than we really let, and they have the best resources too. I mean, if they want to build a a house from scratch, well, all they got to do is to ask their agent for some connections, and they'll be connected to the right people, maybe the best people. From that field, um, they want to do anything, whether it's a business venture or, or something for leisure. Uh, they'll be connected with the best people, and those people will educate them and give them the best information on some of these subjects. So, athletes do really know more than than we may realize. Uh, I wish a lot of them would do stuff like this. Maybe not specifically Rogan's podcast, because I know Rogan doesn't have a vested interest on team sports in general, but. Anything like this, where we can hear the athletes talk out of their talk about subjects out of their realm of expertise, because they really are smart people. Look at Patrick Mahomes and all the business ventures he's going through. Uh, obviously, he needed a lot of help to get there. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. If I was a guy making millions of dollars, I would want to pay people to help me 
go in the right direction and make sure I'm getting all these sponsorships, um, as many of as possible too, by the way, uh, as we all know with Mahomes. So, uh, it's always interesting hearing these athletes talk about non-sports topics because you do realize they're smarter than we tend to think. So, uh, it's a fascinating podcast. I really do recommend you guys, uh, giving it a listen. Even Zuckerberg, who obviously we know him for, for Facebook, the guy, I, I didn't have a chance to get to that part yet, but I saw a clip where he's actually talking about the uh, UFC fight, which I'll uh, comment on a little later, the big upset with uh, Usman and Edwards. So that's one of the reasons why a lot of people like the Joe Rogan experience. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay, I did want to touch on Tom Brady. Uh, because he was absent. He uh, told the Bucks he needed to um, step away for a couple of weeks. He came back and was asked about where he was. His response is this. It's a quote. It's all personal. Everyone's got different situations they're dealing with. We all have really unique challenges to our life. I'm 45 years old. There's a lot of shit going on. You've just got to figure out life the best you can. It's a continuous process. And he ended it there. Oh boy. Um, listen, it's obviously personal. There was a wild rumor on Reddit, of all places, that Brady was filming episodes for The Masked Singer. Folks, I don't care if you're a six-time or a seven-time Super Bowl champion. No NFL team is going to be okay with you filming a reality competition show uh, during training camp. And listen, it's Tom Brady. The Masked Singer will completely acquiesce and, and, and work around his schedule. Um, all these commercials that uh, and these business ventures that these athletes do, they do it either uh, right after the season, regular season or playoffs, and before OTAs, or they do it after OTAs and before training camp. So there's pl- plenty of time to film these kinds of uh, shows and whatnot. Uh, there was also another wild rumor out there, again, just speculation on people's part, that um, there could be some conflict at home because Brady chose to come out of retirement and play football again. A lot of people insinuating that there could be conflict in his marriage because he came back to play football. I, I'm not going to speculate on that whatsoever. I've heard a lot of fans on social media speculate on that, and I've heard Hosts on talk radio even speculate on that. Listen, I will say this. He he even says it. He says, I'm 45 years old. There's a lot of shit going on. I don't know if Brady... Well, what does Brady have to do at this point? I'm sure he loves the sport and I'm sure he loves the money that comes with it. Who wouldn't? But I do have to pose a question, and let me before I say anything, let me just preface this that I am not, I never talk about whether or not athletes should retire. That's not that's not for me to to decide. Um, that's not my place to decide. Uh, that's for them and their families and doctors, coaches, whoever uh, they they uh, want to talk to about that that kind of thing. But he does say, I'm 45 years old. There's a lot of shit going on. We don't ever... Who's the oldest player in NFL history? Uh, let me... I did not look this up. Let me uh, check... Let me look this up real quickly. Oldest player in NFL history. I would imagine it's a kicker. 
Uh, George Blanda, the oldest player to ever play in the NFL. He was a quarterback and a place kicker who played for 26 seasons, uh, retired in 1975 at the age of 48. Okay. Adam Vinatieri was the oldest active player before Brady. He was 48 years old at the time. Okay, so generally kickers tend to have longer careers, but outside of kickers, we don't ever see players play at the age of 45. In, in any sport, basketball, soccer, MMA, you don't see 45-year-old athletes. Brady has seven rings, and even though there's been some controversy with Spygate, Deflategate, he still has the seven rings. Uh, now, the guy's not perfect. He's still beatable. We've seen him lose Super Bowls before to, to a backup quarterback, by the way, in Nick Foles and twice to Eli Manning. What does Brady have to prove at 45 years old in the NFL? Like, what's making him want to still play football? Does he need 10 rings? Does he need two more MVP awards? Like, I don't know. Um, he's still playing better than a lot of quarterbacks out there. No question about it. He, he, he had one of the best seasons ever just this past year. But what do you have to prove at 45 years old with seven rings and three more Super Bowl appearances? 10 Super Bowl appearances total. I don't know. Listen, it's for him to decide. Um, I hope everything's okay in his personal life. Uh, it would really suck if he was going through a divorce or if there was conflict in his family because he's still playing football. Um, it's, a, it's a sport. It certainly should not get in the way of someone's marriage, for sure. I, I, listen, I've, I've never been married, so who am I to say? But I think that that's something that is, is a rational thought, for sure. Uh, I'm not going to speculate what's going on, uh, but the way he talked, the way he gave this quote, boy, I've never seen... It almost looked like if you had a friend that talked like this, the first thing you would say is, dude, are you okay? You don't, you, you don't look okay. If I received a text message from a friend that said... Almost the same thing as, as this. I'd be like, dude, are you all right? You, you've you never said this before. And in the tone Brady said it too was weird. I hope he's all right, man. Uh, I think maybe he was dreading the com- the, the questions. I, I, I don't know. I mean, he's human too. We forget that sometimes. So hopefully everything's all right with Brady in, uh, in his personal world because uh, he did not seem all well uh, when he gave that quote. Uh, by the way, things are not all well for Matt Arazia's world. Uh, a lot of things have come down on him over the past few days. Uh, allegations coming down that he and two other men gang raped a 17-year-old, a minor, in the state of California while he was at San Diego State University. Uh, the Bills general manager, Brandon Beanie, gave this uh, statement this afternoon. Uh, this was on Saturday, by the way. We decided releasing Matt Arazia was the best thing to do. Our culture in Buffalo is more important than winning football games. Uh, Arazia did speak over the weekend and said the facts of the incident are not what they are portrayed in the lawsuit or in the press. I look forward to quickly setting the record straight. Now, this was before he got released. Um, now, the builds were, uh, by the way, the builds were aware of this allegation in late July. Beanie admitted that this week. According to the lawsuit, Arazia has already admitted to the crime, 
of having sex with a minor. So it will certainly be interesting to see, you know, what his side of the story is uh, when this all plays out legally. Uh, I did see, he, see uh, there was a Dallas-based attorney, Michelle Simpson. Uh, she uh, gave a couple of interviews and talked about how his admission to the thing uh, really jumped out. And that is something that people are going, kind of like how Britt Reed, even though he pled not guilty to uh, almost killing a young girl, he um, he did admit, according to the uh, police report, that he had a couple of drinks. Uh, in this lawsuit, she claims that detectives from Sex Crimes Unit arranged for her to make a phone call to all three of the players she said were involved. And in the call to Arasia, he acknowledged having sex with her. And said that she should get tested for STDs, which is a very interesting thing to say. Uh, by the way, this is where things get a little embarrassing here. Um, because when detectives heard this, they instructed the woman to say, wait, what STD? Um, this is all according to the uh, report. And Arasia said that he tested positive for an STD at some point in, in his life. And the woman was instructed to respond with, so you know what to get tested for. Okay, that makes me feel a little better. Um, obviously, this gang rip al- allegation is out there, but then this part of his personal life is out there too. I mean, it's, it's just it's just embarrassing. And it's just, you know, the allegations, if, if the evidence is true, it's obviously wrong. And then uh, at one point in the phone call, uh, he was uh, the woman was uh, told to keep asking questions about what they did. Uh, it was at a Halloween party. Arasia responded by saying, "This is Matt Arasia. I don't remember anything that happened that night," and then hung up. That's very sketchy to me. And the details that he that that he's admitting this and t- is telling the woman to get tested and admits that he is positive for an STD. Oh boy, um, that is not good. That is not good at all. Um, you know this is unfortunate and by the way a lot of people criticizing this woman oh why is this now coming out well first of all she did uh it says in the report the lawsuit that uh detectives from the sex crimes unit um got involved with her and she was also suggested to uh go to a hospital and do some tests uh i'm trying to find the uh specific part of that By the way, Arasia's attorney, they disputed the claim, saying that, quote, he never used any force against her, she was not visibly intoxicated, and he did not hand her a drink with anything in it. That is from uh, his camp. Uh, again, this t- uh, took place. Um, oh, here's the part. The girl reported the incident to San Diego Police Department and underwent a r- rape examination at a hospital. That's what I meant to uh, refer to a moment ago. Um, listen, obviously... This needs to play out in court, but with what's been in the uh, lawsuit, and I know he's come out said that they're not accurate. It essentially, is what he's saying. It, it's still a bad look for him. 
listen, you gotta not, you gotta make sure you make the right choices and you're around the right people. Um, he was at the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people. And I mean, look, you're a, you're an athlete at, at your school. I, I mean, is it that hard to hook up with someone your age? I mean, if you're an athlete, you can probably get any girl on campus. Come on. Um, it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm always just speechless when I hear stories like this. I don't know why it needs to go in this direction. Why, uh, you know, college athletes, again, who can get any girl on campus, uh, they, they're going after a minor here. And listen, there are a few 17 year olds in college. So I don't know if this is one of those rare occasions where there was a 17 year old on campus. Um, I don't know. Uh, certainly uh, needs to be looked into. There, there are certainly a lot of questions that need to be asked. Uh, a couple other quick notes here. Uh, Scott Frost, oh boy. Uh, Nebraska with a stunning loss to Northwestern, 31-28. to Nebraska was up 14-3 uh, to early in the second quarter. Then they were up 28-17 to in, in the middle of the third quarter. So they were up by two possessions two different times in the game, uh, in both halves. Uh, then... After scoring 28 points for two and a half quarters, they didn't score again the rest of the game. Scott Frost is now 15-30 and 30 at Nebraska, and obviously that is not the standard at Nebraska, not even close to it. Um, his best season was in 2019 with a 5-7 and seven record. His second best season was his first year in 2018 with a 4-8 and eight record. 2020, they played fewer games uh, when Nebraska went 3-5. and five. Uh, but still, that's a that's a very bad record by Nebraska standards. Last year, they went three and nine, and he's already off to a bad start in 2022. Why did they fire Bo Pelini? Uh, I mean, I, I get it. There was some there were there were some patterns of unprofessional and disrespectful behavior, according to um, the university, that they just weren't happy about. And, and I don't know if there was something that could have been done to rectify that rather than fire him, um, because you know, generally when you have elite people that make mistakes, well, you want to try to rectify it with them as much as you can. So I don't know how that all panned out, but they fire Bo Pelini, and then Mike Riley briefly didn't have much of the same success. And now you have Scott Frost, who doesn't have any success, not even close to what it was before. When you think of Nebraska football, you obviously think of the Tom Osborne era and a little bit of the Frank Solik era. And now, I mean, they're not KU football's level of bad, but they're bad. They're pretty bad. Nebraska is far removed from what they've been known for historically, which has been a powerhouse in college football for a long time. And I don't know what the weight is for right now. Rebuilding that program won't be easy. Whoever you bring in is going to need some time. And I will say, I think it's good that Nebraska gave him some time to figure it out. But now it just feels like they're giving him too much time. Uh, there was a lot of hype for Scott Frost in Nebraska. I remember this. I'm not a big college football guy, but there are, there's a strong contingency of Nebraska fans here, and a lot of them were uh, were excited about this. And now those same people, not so much. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, I mean, Nebraska's got to find they've got to hit a home run with their next hire. Otherwise, you're going to start to lose your fan base. Uh, but hey, at least uh, you know the credit card machines, the Wi-Fi was not working, so. Everyone got free uh, free beer, uh, according to the Lincoln Journal. So that was obviously interesting to see. Uh, Len Dawson passed away. Uh, obviously a Kansas City legend here. The Super Bowl four MVP and a Pro Football Hall of Famer. Uh, I'm not going to get into that, though. You guys all know about his playing career. 
this guy had a really interesting impact in the community and in uh, not, not just Kansas City, but outside of Kansas City. The Chiefs obviously moved to Kansas City in spring of 63. Len Dawson started broadcasting in 1966 for KNBC, uh, one of the local stations here in Kansas City. At the time, there were only three stations because there were only three channels at the time. Len Dawson, right after practice, would get a microphone and would start uh, interviewing coaches and players. By the way, today, that kind of thing would be unheard of because of the heavy bias and also with social media, the information that could get leaked uh, out there. Um, Journalism and broadcasting in general was very different back then when Len Dawson was a player and a broadcaster. Tom Hedrick, uh, who is a legendary broadcaster, former voice of the Jayhawks, former voice of the Chiefs, and... uh, Excuse me, he wrote a fantastic book called The Art of Sports Broadcasting. Uh, I've had the pleasure of meeting Tom. He's a former mentor of mine. He used to teach at KU. He taught at Baker University, but he still was involved uh, with the University of Kansas and would mentor journalism students uh, from KU because he had taught there a long time. So uh, Tom is a fantastic guy, a mentor of mine. I believe he's actually retired completely now. Uh, He was uh, retired, uh, but still did some KU baseball games on the radio and uh, did uh, teach at Baker University. And by the way, I know Baker University, their students would win play-by-play awards every year, which was not a shock because they had Tom as a a professor. But uh, a real quick story. Tom shared a very interesting story with me one time. Uh, Tom, for those who don't know, he broadcasted Super Bowls 1, 3, and 4 on CBS Radio. So he's he was there for um for the glory days of the Chiefs football in the uh, 60s. He shared a very interesting story to me about how coach when so coaches will meet with broadcasters for CBS, Fox, ESPN the day before and will talk to them. A lot of off the record stuff there, but the broadcasters will still take notes. Back then, broadcasters, according to Tom, uh, excuse me, not broadcasters, coaches actually showed the game plan to the broadcasters. Because back then there was no Facebook, Twitter, MySpace, uh, uh, you know, any of these social media pages where you could upload photos. There were no smartphones. There was no way to uh, take a picture of something and put it out there in two seconds for the whole world to see. Coaches were very comfortable in sharing game plans with broadcasters that were going to call the game, which makes sense because that would give the broadcasters so much knowledge for the game that they're going to call. Obviously, you don't do that anymore. So it was very different when, you again, you coaches would share game plans. Len Dawson would, you know, do an interview. And I think Len Dawson really helped open the door for other future players to become broadcasters after their careers, of course. Uh, by the way, KNBC's ratings went from worst of the three stations to the best. Um, they they went they went way up at the time in Kansas City, and it was all because of Lenny. Uh, this obviously led to him getting other broadcasting opportunities. A lot of people here in Kansas City know that he uh, was a color announcer for the Chiefs for the radio network for a long time. And uh, for those who are not Chiefs fans, uh, of course they know him for being the host of Inside the NFL for a very long time. Uh, another thing he's known for, Pat Kerwin and Clark Hunt, Pat Kerwin on his uh, radio show on Sirius XM's NFL uh, channel, uh, he had Clark Hunt on and they talked about this. Uh, they credited Len for having a big hand in the AFL-NFL merger. 
Obviously, the Chiefs were one of the top teams in the AFL. They went to the first Super Bowl, got embarrassed. The second time they went to a Super Bowl, they pulled off a big upset in Super Bowl IV. And Len Dawson was one of the driving forces in helping the AFL make a name for itself, but also merging with the NFL. I, I think there are a lot of interesting stories in sports history. I think the Negro Leagues, that is a fascinating story. Uh, Jackie Robinson, what he went through in his life as an athlete. Uh, I think another very interesting part of sports history is the AFL-NFL merger. That was something that at the time just seemed like an uphill battle. Did not seem like a realistic possibility. Uh, But they recognized that the AFL does have some talent that can compete with the NFL. And no coincidence, the Chiefs beat the Vikings in the Super Bowl, pulling off a big upset. Uh... People thought the Vikings were going to destroy the Chiefs, and it was the complete opposite. So, Len Dawson's done a lot of things on the field and also off the field with his broadcasting career and also in helping the AFL and NFL come together. So, this guy really did leave uh, a a, a great legacy behind, and uh, the impact he had certainly is something that I think people should remember and cherish for a long time. Uh, Rest in peace, Lenny. I know uh, they've got this nice little memorial at Union Station, so I'm definitely going to check that out uh, in the uh, next couple of days downtown. Uh, A couple quick notes. Kamaru Usman lost to Leon Edwards. I was at a concert. Uh, I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast I was at the weekend's concert. Oh, boy. Um, I just got the notification in capital letters. I was like, holy shit. By the way, the two times where there have been massive upsets, I've been on vacation. I was in Cancun, Mexico. I actually fell asleep. And I woke up to this notification the next day where Amanda Nunes lost to Juliana Pena. And I was in Vegas uh, at the um, weekend's concert for Kamara Usman and Leon Edwards. I was far more interested in the Luke Rockhold fight in the Paulo, against Paulo Costa where he ended up retiring. Oh boy, Usman was dominating this fight. I ended up watching it later. Usman dominated. I mean, he lost the first round on all three scorecards. He dominated the rest of them. 10-9 on each uh, second, third, and fourth rounds. And probably the fifth round, too. And then that hit kick, that head kick from Leon Edwards with 50 seconds left. And they even have footage of Leon practicing that head kick. By the way, uh, Detroit... Uh, I, I've talked about this guy before. Detroit Urban Survival Training, a.k.a. Dust, Commander Dale Brown. He actually did a video, a self-defense video, on how to f- defend a head kick. And Kamar Usman quote-tweeted that and said, Why didn't anyone tell, tell me this sooner? Uh, which he's having, having a sense of humor about. It's good to see him in uh, positive spirits after a knockout like that because that was brutal. It didn't even seem like that bad of a kick, but Edwards got him, man, and good on him because nobody, including me, believed in him. Another fighter who got revenge this past weekend, Demetrius Johnson, at one championship, got revenge on Adriana Morais. Morais knocked out Johnson. That's the first time Demetrius Johnson had ever been knocked out. Johnson returned the favor, got him... With a, a, a punch and a, and a knee strike. And uh, ended up getting the uh, one flyweight world championship. I've always been a big fan of Demetrius Johnson. I'm bummed out that he's not in the UFC anymore. Because, man, I would have loved to see that trilogy with Cejudo. Um, especially when you look at the flyweight division right now with Figueredo and um, and Moreno. I, I would have loved to see Johnson go up against those two guys. So... Uh, it's unfortunate, but he's doing some good things, and he's happy. He's obviously getting paid more because the UFC just wasn't able to make a superstar out of him, which is insane. But he's doing some good things that won, and it's good to see him 
get his revenge on Adriano Moraes. I'm sure there'll be a third fight for sure. Uh, last thing I want to talk about here. A 1952 Tops Mickey Mantle card goes for $12.6 million at an auction. It's the highest, most expensive sold sports memorabilia item ever, according to ESPN. $12.6 million for a baseball card from 1952. Obviously, you see these uh, sports cards over the years. They have like, you know, a piece of the bat or the baseball or the jersey um, or the grass, the dirt, uh, whatever. This is just a basic card. I know um, uh, the Ken, uh, Ken Griffey Jr. rookies, uh, that was a big deal. I think in 89. Um, but what card is worth $12.6 million? I mean, listen, there are Pokemon cards that are <laughs> Pokemon cards. Listen, I, I, Pokemon's cool. I, I was into it back during the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the first era where they had 150. Um, they're going for millions. Brady's last touchdown, uh, or at least we thought it was going to be his last touchdown. I, I guess there could still be a chance that's his last touchdown. Depends on if, if he gets hurt or re-retires. But that ball went for $518,000. And then he re- unretired. He came out of retirement the same day. Why are people... Who has this money to spend on a football or a baseball card? I mean, $518,000 for a touchdown ball is insane 12 more than 12 and a half million dollars for a 1952 baseball card i mean i've got a collection it kind of makes me want to look around and see what do i have that could be worth something i might start digging up right now we're right after this podcast but uh hey whoever just made money out of that card good on you dude uh invested wisely enjoy the rest of your life Because a lot of people would love to have that kind of money right now. (laughs) All right, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of FarzCast. Farzine Vasugan here with you real quickly. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vasugan. That's the Facebook page. At Farzine21, that's the uh, Twitter handle. And at Farzine Vasugan is the Instagram account. Make sure you're following me on all three. Because even though we're going to take a break from this podcast, uh, we're going to come back after Labor Day weekend. So... I'm out. I'm going to take a break from this podcast. I will still be doing live streams on Facebook, so check that out. But uh, in terms of this podcast, we're going to take a break from it. So make sure you're following me on the social media pages because I will still continue to do weekly giveaways. That will not stop. We will still continue to do that. So make sure you guys are following me on Facebook, Twitter, wherever, uh, Instagram, for those giveaways. We're still going to be doing some live streams on Facebook. So make sure you guys are tuning into that. I mentioned again, thank you so much for the 37,000 followers. I'm sure the next time we do a podcast, we'll probably be at 30. I'm wondering, because I said I'd do a jersey giveaway at 40,000. Can we hit 40 before the regular season? That's up to you guys. Alfarzi Vasugan, subscribe to the podcast. Share the links with your friends. I am out of here. Have a great week. Have a great Labor Day weekend. I will talk to you guys right before the NFL season kicks off. Take care.